2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the game changers, I guarantee you're in the right place. Today's buzz, the word hyper. Ooh! Well, I got news for you. It's a good thing. Let me explain. As individuals, organizations, and machines are increasingly interconnected in real time, the resulting always-on hyperconnectivity, yes, I know that's a mouthful, but guess what it's doing? It is reinventing our global economy. Real time. Always on, hyper-connected. That's where the good part of hyper comes in. Now you know what I'm talking about. So what does this mean to you and your company? Well, if your organization is serious about competing, and if you're not, why are you even here? Yes, you have to compete to survive and thrive. You need to be able to capture the transformational power of digital, another key word today, digital, across your entire business. Not just one little piece of it, but everywhere. When do you need to do it? Soon. Now, why? What's the payoff? You could realize a dramatic increase in productivity and enhanced economic value. Who doesn't want that? A couple of questions are on the table. What do you need in order to transform your business quickly enough to win in this new global hyper-connected, always-on-real-time economy? And what are the risks if you respond too slowly or not at all? couple of big business questions here, and we've got a great panel of experts who are going to help us figure it out. First up, I'm delighted to welcome Christoph Muhl. I'll spell his last name so you can look him up if you want to. M-O-U-I-L-L-E. He is with Accenture. Christoph is calling from Germany today. We'll chat with him in a minute. And he sent me a wonderful quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Let me just tell you, if anybody's wondering, how did Gandhi get the name Mahatma, which is called an honor? That's not his real name. It is it is Mohandas Karamachand Gandhi. That's his real name. Well, Mahatma in Sanskrit means high-souled or venerable. He was also called Papa and Father in Guarati language, an endearment in India. So there. And here's the quote. Live as if you were to die tomorrow. Learn as if you were to live tomorrow. Forever. Christoph Mole, I love the quote. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. How
0: are you?
3: Thank you. I'm I'm very well. I'm extremely happy to be with all your guys uh, this morning. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, well, I, I are... love this yeah. quote because Yeah. I, I love this quote because I'm passionate about innovation. Uh, that you know is a good way to get to get us out of the box. I'm passionate about the future. I used to be, you know, an, an optimistic and an enthusiastic person, and uh, I try to pay attention, you know, to have one foot in today and one foot in tomorrow. And I think that this quote perfectly reflects uh, what companies need to do, you know, today, to, to look at what they, how they operate and to learn how to project themselves into tomorrow's world.
2: Very interesting, Christoph. I I love the quote. I almost want to sit down after the show and crochet it on a pillow so I can have it here in my in my home office and look at it every day. Uh, do you use this as words of wisdom for your own life as well as in business, Christoph?
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. This perfectly reflects the way I'm behaving to myself as well. You know, innovation. Uh, future-driven, enthusiastic. Look at tomorrow, and I know not only execute what we do today, but really prepare the future for, for all of us and and for the companies.
2: Thank you very much, Christoph. We'll be talking to you a lot more during the show. And remember, I'm going to get back to you in about four minutes here and ask you what time of day. Don't tell me right now where you are in Germany and what you're drinking, so you can get ready for that. Thank you so much. Welcoming. As our second panelist today, someone who's no stranger to Game Changers Radio, it's Bob Parker, Group Vice President at IDC Research, and a shout-out to our friends at IDC. Bob has sent me a quote from William Gibson, full name William Ford Gibson, an American-Canadian speculative fiction novelist. That's a new title for me, an essayist. He has been called the noir prophet, by the way, noir, meaning black or dark, the noir prophet of the cyberpunk sub subgenre born in 1948. Well, I can identify with that. And here's the quote, and then I'm going to read a second quote from him so you get the idea of how clever he is. Uh, William Gibson said, the future is already here. It's just not very evenly distributed. And Bob, before you speak, I have one more quote from Gibson that's amazing. He says, the net is a waste of time, and that's exactly what's right about it. <laughs> Bob Parker, welcome back. How are you, Bob? I'm well, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks for the quote and the quote and a half, I'll say, and I, I couldn't help but add that one. So the future is already here. It's just not very evenly distributed. We've certainly heard that from other guests on other shows. And And how does it apply to our topic today about hyperconnectivity reinventing the world economy, Bob?
4: Well, I think it refers to the fact that the technology is available. Uh, The possibilities are endless, but the adoption is just at the beginning. And uh, the future not being evenly distributed is very good for the research business, as you might imagine. So it's one of my favorite quotes from that perspective.
2: And what do you think of the other quote? The net is a waste of time, and that's exactly what's right about it.
4: yeah i you know i i i really I, I really uh like that quote and uh he he makes the point um that sometimes it's not just about commerce it is about
2: mm-hmm.
4: uh, being immersed in the experience and i think that that relates to hyperconnectivity as well and something that not every implementer keeps in mind.
2: Yeah, very, very true, and I think the whole point of our conversation today, Bob and and Christoph, and I'll introduce our third guest in a minute, is that Interconnectivity, this real-time, always-on world we're living in, it's not going to go away. It's not going to change. And the net has to be important because we are connected and we are doing everything. This radio show is online. It's not a terrestrial radio station with a tower somewhere and a big studio. We're all connected. So it certainly is not, Mr. Gibson, it is not a waste of time. And we know that to be a fact. So there, Bob, again, welcome. And thank you so much for joining us again. And let's introduce our third panelist. Interesting name. I'm going to have to spell it after I pronounce it. And I rehearse this. It's Amr El-Maliji, Senior Director of Product Marketing at SAP. I'm going to spell his name because you may want to look him up and learn more about him. It's A-M-R. That's right. L E L Maligi M E L E E G Y. And he sent me a quote from Nora Roberts. Those of you scratching your heads, Nora Roberts quoted on a business show? She's an American best-selling author of more than get this 209. I don't know whether 210 is more than 209, but Wikipedia said more than 209. Hello. Romance novels. She has pseudonyms. She writes as J D Rob, Robb, R O B B, for a series called In Death. Hmm. She writes under the pseudonym Jill March, M-A-R-C-H, and she writes as Sarah Hardesty for publications in the UK. And here's the quote, now that I've done this big drum roll, please. She says, if you don't go after what you want, you'll never have it. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. If you don't step forward, you're always in the same place. Amr El-Maliji, welcome. How are you today?
5: I'm doing very good. Thank you very much, Bonnie, and thank you for having me on the show.
2: Delighted. How did you come to pick a romance novelist? And it's a great quote, by the way. Her quote for a business show. Talk to me, Amr.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So actually, actually, the interesting thing is that, to me, quotes and jokes have one thing in common, which is that I always forget them. I hear a lot of jokes every day. I hear a lot of quotes, but I can just never recall them. And for some particular reason, this quote always stuck with me. And I think it applies to a lot of, you know, situations in my personal life, and it also applies, I think, to this topic particularly well, because um, as Bob was, was, was saying, that if businesses and enterprises don't start doing things a little bit differently, they might end up in the wrong place in history. And uh, we've, we've you know, seen numerous examples of companies that ended up in, in the wrong place. Uh, a few of the pop culture companies that we all like to reference in the are companies like Kodak and Nokia there are also numerous products i don't know if anyone on your show remembers the Walkman or VCRs or answering machines oh, yeah. so Me? so yeah so i <laughs> i yeah so i think it kind of applies here is that if if you don't uh, if you don't step forward in time you'll end up in the wrong place
2: Absolutely, but are you a fan of Nora Roberts by any chance? or how did you come across the quote? I'm interested
5: I'll, I'll, I'll be very honest with you I actually i the the quote stuck in my head, and I actually had to Google to find out what the source of that quote is, but it, it just resonated with me very well.
2: It's a great quote. And by the way, we want to welcome Karen Geraldo at Deloitte in Canada, tweeting at K-H-E-R-A-L-D-O 24, who's listening to the show. She's one of our big fans. And she just tweeted about my three panelists, and a shout-out to Brad Borkin, who brought you all to me. But she tweeted a photo of Mahatma Gandhi and the wonderful quote that Christoph contributed at the beginning of the show. So if you want to go on hashtag SAP radio, you can see this wonderful quote. And Brad is tweeting as well. Thank you very much, Amr. Delighted to have you. Where are you, by the way? Rumor has it you're in tech ed, is that correct?
5: Exactly, exactly. I'm in Las Vegas right now at SAP's annual uh, technology conference, and I think you had a little bit of a panic in your program this morning when they saw the out-of-office response uh, <laughs> to the emails, yes. but no, I'm here and I'm delighted to be on your show
2: we are too. Thanks for taking time out. Let's circle back to Christoph Mühl. Christoph is calling from somewhere in Germany. Christoph, where are you exactly? What time of day or evening is it? And we would like to know a little more about you. What are you drinking or what do you plan to drink when we're done in about 45 minutes? Christoph?
3: Uh, That's good. Thank you so much. So You know, I am in Waldorf right now. You know, Waldorf is the headquarters of a of ACP, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm embedded into into ACP, would say. So what's going to come next? Because uh, it's it's past 5 p.m. here in Germany, so we mm-hmm. are almost happy hour. And and you know it's always dangerous to ask this kind of question to a French man. So basically, you know, what uh, what I will be you know having in my in my in my uh, glass in a few minutes from now, I can see the bottle in front of me. Uh, Is a glass of Chardonnay? Uh, obviously. So, so obviously, you know, from a Frenchman, you would expect that a Chardonnay comes from Burgundy. I have a lot of respect for all the Chardonnay we are, uh, we can drink around the world in New Zealand, uh, in Australia, obviously in California, and and in many other places. But you know, I'm so happy to have, uh, you know, this glass of Chardonnay that is waiting for me. It's as you said, it's going to be 45 minutes, and uh, I'm looking forward to enjoy to enjoy uh, that uh, that glass of wine. And in the meantime. I hope that we will have, uh, you know, much opportunity to talk about uh, digital, to talk about real-time, to talk about transformation, and to talk about, uh, you know, companies, you know, projecting themselves into the future.
2: Mais bien sûr. Merci, merci. Chardonnay, one of my favorites, and my mother, who is going to be 99 on February 1st of next year, she still loves a glass of crisp Chardonnay with dinner. What do you think about that, Christophe?
3: That's right. So please send me a photo or or selfie when you when you drink that one.
2: I sure will. I have pictures of her raising a glass of something that looks like Chardonnay. I'll send you one. I promise. Thank you so much. I loved your description. Bob Parker, where are you and what are you drinking or thinking about?
4: Well, I'm in at IDC headquarters in the Boston suburbs, uh, and right now I'm drinking uh, a protein shake uh, because I'm trying to take the edge off the craving for a mid-morning snack, and I would much rather be in Waldorf with Christoph uh, looking at a Heidelberger <laughs> Pills, but um, I'll have to stick with the protein shake.
2: Ah, oh, you're so good. Do you want to give us a flavor? Is there a brand to your protein shake, or is it a home brew concoction?
4: No, it's uh, just a Special K uh, mocha concoction.
2: Hmm, sounds very, very interesting. Well, here's to your health. <laughs> a votre santé, mon ami, Bob Parker. There you go. <laughs> Trying to make Christoph feel at home with a little bit of French, what I remember of it. And Amr El-Maliji, you are in Vegas. We already know that. I'm i, I am not going to ask what you'd like to drink because I know the bar is probably not too far from where you are. But what are you drinking right now during the show, Amr?
5: Yeah, so I'm uh, Bonnie. I'm staying at the Venetian Hotel. And if you just walk down the lobby, there's a small uh, cafeteria called Bouchon Cafe, and they have some amazing coffee. So I'm drinking coffee from from down there. I didn't venture out very far, but just just as soon as you get out of the elevator, there's the Bouchon Cafe. They make some great coffee, and uh, I'm having a a large Americano right now.
2: Wonderful. Thank you very much, and have a great show at TechEd. And uh, let's see. Well, I think Bob Parker remembers this. They don't let Bonnie have any caffeinated beverages while she's hosting the radio shows live. <laughs> you know that, Bob. And Christoph yeah. probably figured that out already and Amir probably as well. So I'm drinking a glass of cool clear filtered water in a pretty cup with the green straw and the green is representative of world economy, hyperconnectivity, the green light for go, live always on, and it also represents money. What can I tell you? Our topic today is hyperconnectivity, reinventing the world economy. We've already started to have a great conversation. My three special guests are Christophe Moule, with his wonderful French accent, at Accenture, calling in from Waldorf, Germany. Bob Parker, somewhere in the Boston vicinity, cool, crisp, and clear. Sunny day here on Long Island. I think you probably have the same weather pattern. And Amr el Maligi, who has not seen the outside world in a while. He's holed up at the Venetian in Las Vegas for decade, and so pleased he's taking time I'm out to join us. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin, out.
1: For secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device, www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.com.
2: And we're back talking about why hyper is a good thing when it's hyper-connectivity always on real time and reinventing the global economy. My special guest today, Christoph Muhl, M-O-U-I-L-L-E, calling from Waldorf, Germany. He's with Accenture. Hello and a shout out to our friends at Accenture. Bob Parker at IDC Research, and we already did a shout out to IDC. And Amr el Maligi at SAP, who's calling in from TechEd and calling us back. He should be back on the line in just a minute. Christoph and I are going to open the round table. We have a lot to talk about here. Christoph, I'm looking at your notes and with your permission, I'll read just a little bit and then have you expand it for about two minutes and then we'll invite Bob and Amer, Amir, who is now back with us, uh, we'll invite them to speak on your topic. So the topic is everywhere you look, business and technology disruptions are accelerating. And Christoph adds on the business front Organizations are facing increasingly nimble competitors and growing demand from customers for faster, more consistent, more personalized experiences across channels and devices. And then he adds on the technology front, enterprises are under pressure from investors, customers, and business partners to drive new value. I'm going to let Christoph take over now. Christoph, what's so important about this? Tell us more, please.
3: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Thank you for the support, Gigi. So, yeah, the the fact that uh, I would say the business and the technology are changing is not new. What is new is is that it comes faster than before, and it comes simultaneously. Simultaneously mean that, you know, from a business standpoint, users are are behaving more and more like consumers. Uh, Companies are fasting more and more. You know, uh, into that uh, that race, to 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 uh, towards competitors, and and got new entrants coming into the game that did not exist uh, yesterday. We have that in almost all of the entry segments right now. So, from the uh, business standpoint, you know, things are accelerating in time. At the same time, on the technology side, we now have uh, you know things, uh, features and functions uh, that are available right now, uh, almost for free on the ecosystem that did not even exist, you know, a couple, uh, couple of weeks ago. So uh, this, I would say, conjunction of uh, business changes, acceleration, and at the same time, new technology components that are becoming available is quite unique. Never happened in a part at that pace and that order of magnitude. And this, is, this could be uh, seen both, uh, you know, by companies like a threat or a, a giant opportunity uh, to leapfrog competitors, to step ahead, and to create new business models, taking advantage of this opportunity and of of the technology components that are again becoming available in the marketplace that were not existing one year ago.
2: Okay, thank you very much, Christoph. I want to get Bob Parker's take on this. Bob, thoughts to expand this?
4: Yeah, I think it, I think Christoph's right on point. Uh, you know, we're seeing quotes. I think the important thing to note, though, is that the attention to this is coming from the very top of the corporation. There's a quote from the CEO of Citi. And he was, by the way, he wasn't speaking at at a financial services industry event. He was speaking at Mobile World Congress, a very tech event. And he said, Citi's no longer a bank. We're a technology company in the financial services industry. Uh, Jeff Immelt at GE said, I went to bed last night. As an industrial company, I woke up this morning as a software and information company. So there's this realization on the part of the the, the highest levels, the board level of major corporations, that they're becoming a technology and information based company. Uh, so this acceleration that Christoph is talking about um, is being pulled from the very top. Uh, it 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 sort of creates challenges between the CEO making a proclamation and the folks that have to transform their business, uh, translating that to um, very uh, prescriptive things to do. Although one of our predictions that we do every year coming out in November, one of our predictions is that by the end of 2017, 80% of the Global 2000 will have a chief digital officer or equivalent, so someone just focused on coordinating all the activity that has to happen to become a technology company.
2: Thank you very much, Bob Ammer. Love to hear your thoughts. Join us.
4: Yeah, absolutely agree
5: uh, on both what Bob and, and Christoph mentioned. I think uh, most enterprises today are um, are aware of the, uh, the the digital opportunity or the digital threat. Um, there's you know a lot of research out there that uh, indicates that. Uh, but I think also an interesting fact here is that. Um, Uh, About two thirds of executives that were surveyed in an Economist Intelligence unit, uh, a recent survey in in uh, 2015 believe that actually it's digital offerings from established competitors rather than uh from digital startups that are the most significant source of competitive pressure today. Uh so this idea that, that this disruption is is coming in from let's say a Silicon Valley startup is um, is actually just sort of a, a the, the boogeyman of the current era. Uh, and I, I give an additional example to, uh, you know, GE that Bob mentioned, or Citibank. Uh, we're also seeing, you know, big, big, massive companies like Walmart, for example, consumer product company, um, and... Um, they're also embracing this notion of digital transformation. Uh, their CIO, Karen Intero, uh, uh was recently invited to an SAP event, not the TechEd event I'm currently in, but uh, another event, mm-hmm. the Sapphire event in Orlando. Um, and uh, she was talking about how they're embracing digital transformation, how they see themselves as a digital company. Um, and the uh, interesting fact here is that uh, I live in San Francisco, Bonnie, and I mm-hmm. listen to ads about Walmart on, on radio channels, and they're actually Advertising about their software technologies that they're leverage open source technologies. They use agile development within their environments. They're obviously trying to appeal to young talent, to developers, to attract them. Uh, so it's, it just speaks to that whole notion that you know um, uh, CEOs and, and CIOs are, are, are really aware of this uh, of this visual transformation that's happening around us.
2: Thank you very much, Amar. And by the way, glad you called back. Your line is absolutely perfect now. So we are so pleased we can hear everything. Uh, Christoph, good conversation among your co-panelists here. I want to know if you want, want to add anything, but I also want to bring in one more item from your topic list that I'd like you to cover. You say the pace of business is accelerating. We've already established that. But existing business and IT approaches lag behind. And you say only 17% of IT executives say they can deliver fast enough for this new pace of business. Christoph, you want to address this as well as what your co panelists shared, please?
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The, uh, uh, the, the, the challenges across the organization right now is uh, how do we embrace uh, this digital transformation? And there are basically uh, four key elements. The first, the first element is, the, I would say, the enterprise system assets they are built over time in terms of standardizing the processes, rationalizing, you know, the, uh, the infrastructure, and, 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 you know, having a, an homogenous, uh, you know, I would say enterprise system across the patch in terms of back office. But this is, for them, a very strong asset. Beyond that, uh, they, they really need now to, to fuel that content with the new technologies. Can uh, can offer, and here uh, we are talking about cloud. We are talking about in-memory, and this is the second component of this extension. The third component is the extension that companies can build uh, for their digital capabilities. And here I'm thinking about mobile, cloud, this kind of stuff that you can not only uh, complement your landscape, but also enhance uh, your functionality to offer new functions and features. Uh, to, the, to, to the business. And in and, and, and complement to that, uh, that, this is my fourth element. Uh, we need to take into account uh, in, a, in a dynamic way what the ecosystem can offer to us, meaning that you need to get out uh, of the traditional boundaries, the four walls, if you will, uh, for your company, to so really look outside, look at, uh, you know, what used to be your partners that are now con- might come your competitors, sell for your customers, and for your suppliers. So for me, there are kind of four key elements here. You know, the, the, your enterprise system assets, uh, your, uh, you know, your technology accelerators, uh, the digital and, you know, the ecosystem capabilities. And again, you need to, to view the ecosystem not only in terms of software providers, but in terms of business partnerships, suppliers, partners, clients, and very few of companies you know, and understood how much, you know, they need for the game to really become what we call at Accenture high velocity enterprise.
2: Thank you very much. Bob Parker, a lot of new thoughts on the table here. Agree, disagree, thoughts?
4: Yeah, I think the role of IT is in a state of redefinition because of digital transformation. Um, I don't, uh, the 17% uh, thinking they're inadequate in terms of how fast they can move is fairly consistent with our research and I think it's interesting, Amr talked about the CIO of Walmart being at Sapphire and I remember sitting in the audience for that session and it seems to me, Amr, that she really challenged SAP to move faster and delivering the capability uh, as part of that session. So it's not just the IT organization with that expectation, but they're putting that back on the vendors applying them. The technology to go faster, and I had made the point earlier about companies selecting a chief digital officer, and yes. it's it's really largely because there's a recognition that digital transformation is probably too important to leave to the CIO, and I need an independent leader to look at it. Now, That doesn't mean that IT doesn't uh, have a very very important role in digital transformation, but we think of the IT organization as transforming to more of a service focus. Um, We talk about 4I2S, so it's infrastructure, integration, insight, interface, security, and sourcing, as Christoph talked about, moving things to the cloud uh, and the commoditization of the infrastructure. It's going to be... um, uh, incumbent on the IT organization to not only move with speed, as Christoph pointed out, but also to move with scale. So um, IT plays a critical role, but the, um, uh, the uh, provenance of the source of all leadership and technology is going to have to be shared going forward for companies to achieve their digital transformation goals.
2: Thank you, Bob. Amr, um, you have been summoned. We've been uh, talking about you. Thoughts?
5: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I I do remember that uh, that challenge that uh, Karen and um, um, mentioned on stage at Sapphire, and I think uh, just the scale. That Walmart operates on is, uh, is pretty massive. There are very few companies around the world that has that scale and, uh, it just speaks to the fact that they're actually pushing their vendors, they're pushing technology to the limits. Um, and, uh, I agree. I think, uh, uh, I think IT, uh, needs to play an important role in digital transformation. Uh, they, uh, are, you know, it's an opportunity for them to become more strategic to their organization and, uh, we're seeing that Mainly, what is standing in the way is 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 complexity, um, and we 're seeing uh, you know i t infrastructure today is extremely complex, and that uh, impacts organizations around things like decision making business processes um, uh, all that stems out from their information management systems that you know ultimately trickle trickle down and cause their employees uh, to maybe, uh, you know, maybe, uh, uh, wait too long for results or struggle too hard to get information. Um, uh... interesting fact here is that, uh, you know, uh, again, I want to mention another survey whereby, uh, uh, when asked what are the functions within an organization that are most harmed by complexity 42% identified it as the number one that was the, the biggest bulk and followed very closely by uh general management and and things like strategy development which to me uh uh you know shows that there is a correlation between complex it management systems uh, and complex strategies within organizations. So, uh, definitely, uh, you know, the simplifying complexity, uh, starts from the IT, uh, and then it's an opportunity for IT, IT to become, uh, you know, more strategic, uh, within their organizations.
2: Thank you. We talk about that a lot on many of our shows. Uh, IT becoming more strategic. We talk about HR becoming more strategic too. Getting down to the basics of whom do you hire, what are the roles, and do they see the future of the business as part of their everyday role. Thank you, Armor, uh, Christoph. Anything you want to wrap up on this topic before I move on to some notes from Bob Parker, Christoph?
3: No, I think uh, yeah. Thank you for this opportunity. I think what what really makes sense for companies to look at. Is also to look at uh, the smaller and agile companies. Uh, we got, uh, we see around the world there are uh, you know various offices, a number of companies that are coming uh, into the traditional uh, business to break the rules of the game, and those ones think uh, in a completely different way. You know, kind of you know out of the box, and we see a number of companies, particularly coming uh, from the eastern side, uh, companies from China, from other places like that that are coming with, you know, completely different models and uh, with, with no, I would say, weight uh, into their, uh, their past if you will, uh, uh, less of heritage and probably more flexibility in the way they embrace the digital agenda. For them, you know, it's not about digital transformation. It's about creating new business models, differently from a digital standpoint. So the message to the, I would say, the more traditional Western company is also they should be careful and watch uh, their smaller and players that are coming in to change the role of the game. So this is both, again, a threat, but also an <laughs> opportunity for them to change their organization, to change their operating model, and to change the way they behave into the market and also economy. A, a, a good, I would say, teasing uh, for them you know, to, be, uh, to, to be changing and be uh, more agile and become high-velocity enterprises.
2: Thank you very much, Christoph Bob Parker, I'm looking at your notes. Some interesting statistics here. Just want to get this on the table. Hyperconnectivity defined. You say the number of things, and we talk about the Internet of Things, the IoT, number of things connected to the Internet is growing at 17% a year, doubling nearly every four years. And you add, it's not just things, but People as the number of active devices we use will grow from just over 1 to over 3 by 2020 and we're talking of course about wearables and other i believe everyday technologies bob are these numbers on target have they changed since you wrote them to me about a week ago what do you see
4: well i will i will tell you i chose to use our most conservative estimate uh, mm-hmm. on doubling uh, on the, on the growth of connected things um, we there are other forecasts uh, out there depending on how you define things in connectivity that have it doubling every year so uh, the net-net the, the is we're talking about 30 billion or so connected devices by uh, – connected things by 2020. And you add this notion of uh, it's not just your phone, but it's your smart watch, and it, maybe it's your smart glasses and all these other uh, personal area network devices that you're going to use, and it really explodes. I, I think it relates to digital transformation. It's not about the – the availability of the things or the connectivity. Certainly, that's very, very important. But it really comes down from an enterprise perspective is the advances in compute that we've been able to um, – uh, will be able to take advantage of, and especially around the analytics and the cognitive uh, technologies that are coming. So, we're generating all this information and we're creating a, an ability to do something with that information. So. One of the planning assumptions we give to to subscribers to our research is: Could you double your revenue in five years without adding any new knowledge workers? In other words, could you double the productivity of your knowledge work? So, if when we invested in ERP, um, we were at the process level, we created tremendous productivity gains uh, with the people, the doers, and the next range, this hyper-connectivity is going to create tremendous productivity increases for the deciders, um, if you will.
2: And who are those deciders? Who who gets to pull that switch or, or make those numbers happen, Bob?
4: Well, you know, it's anyone doing knowledge work. It's, uh, you know, it's this notion of evidence-based management. So, if I'm making a decision about what my supply network looks like in manufacturing, I have I, I can do this on on a, on an information basis. And and it actually I first saw this notion of evidence-based management in medicine, where they were talking about evidence-based medicine, and they were going to use the data about the efficacy of treatments to decide which treatments to. Uh, to give, and my first reaction is, What the hell has that industry been doing for the last mm-hmm. 25 years? But if you think about it, when a young doctor uh, comes on, is assigned to an older doctor, that older doctor has a set of heuristics about what to do based on the symptoms that are presented. And but nobody ever knows whether that those heuristics, those rules of thumb, are correct or not. So, and I think it applies to across all industries. We have that same methodology. A young, a new young knowledge worker gets assigned to someone with some experience, and they learn those rules of thumb. But we now have the unprecedented opportunity to really test to see if those uh, those actions are most appropriate uh, for the circumstances.
2: Thank you very much. I want to bring in Amr on this topic, and then I want to go back to something from Bob quickly. Amr, thoughts on everything that Bob just shared?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think um IoT and internet of things is definitely a very exciting area within uh digital transformation and hyper connectivity. Um usually when we think about internet of things, uh the first thing we we that comes to mind is, you know, fitness bands and consumer type products that are connected. Uh but in fact, some of the most promising areas um in the internet of things space comes from machines on the factory floors that are connected, right? So we're seeing a lot of these use cases there as well whereby sensors are embedded into um, machines on the factory floor. The sensor information is pulled in, connected to the back-end ERP side, and being used to sort of predict failure. Uh, anticipate the failure of these mis- machines and, pre-empt and pro- provide preemptive maintenance. So this is a very exciting area that we're seeing. It actually also enables um, the companies to transform their business models back to what Christoph was mentioning, whereby they're moving from selling products to selling product as a service, if you may, and we're seeing a, an example of that. Uh, it's a German, uh, um, a German um, uh, company that manufactures compressors. These are compressors that are used in mission critical uh, industrial processes, whereby if the compressor fails, the entire production line comes to a halt uh what they're doing is they're collecting sensor information from these compressors information like electricity consumption temperature pressure points analyzing that and being able to predict and, and, and provide preventative maintenance and that allowed this company to start selling, move from selling compressors to selling compressed air, right? That's a complete mm-hmm. transformation to their business models. So absolutely, IOT I think is a, is a very exciting area. It goes beyond just, uh, consumer products and, and fitness bands and, and goes into actually the manufacturing, uh, the manufacturing, uh, floor within, within enterprises.
2: Thank you, Armour. Christoph, love to have you join us. Any thoughts, please?
3: Yeah, I would like to provide another example exactly uh, to, to that direction uh, with a, a company called uh, Teleris. So, Teleris is a joint venture mm-hmm. that we've created between Accenture and General Electric Aviation. And, and, and it's, I mean, this company is basically dedicated to providing airlines and cargo carriers around the mm-hmm. world with intelligent operations service uh, to, uh, to predict, to prevent, and to recover from operation disruptions. So one, of, one of terrorist applications is, is, is deploying analytics to help airline companies minimize disruptions from mechanical failures and weather delays. Exactly to your example a few weeks ago, the same type of uh, example. And we have also more traditional, you know, kind of shown an example you know, with a digital pipeline and this kind of stuff, where you can imagine how much you can predict and anticipate any disruption in terms of preventive maintenance by collecting machine-to-machine type of information coming from sensors. And and we've, we we are seeing a, 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 a gigantic acceleration of not only you know the, uh, the 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 level of equipment of those sensors, but uh, of the way. Uh, we want to, uh, you know, massively analyze those data uh, to, to uh, you know, connecting the uh, the OT to the IT, if you will, you know, to get back to, to the business people and be, and be able to provide to them with the right level of analytics to convert online in a non online way, you know, uh, those type of data uh, to any kind of business consequences so that people can make an informed decision. So, yes. I fully concur with that. Uh, uh,
5: with that. Uh, with that. Uh, a big movement, I would
2: say. Thank you very much. Great example. And, yes, I see you had a couple more. Who wants to say something? I hear someone.
5: And yeah, Bob? And, yeah Bonnie. If, this yeah. is this is Amr. Um, Amr. if Amer. I just may add as well. yeah, So yeah. I think Bob also mentioned how ERP sort of generated a wave of a pro increase in productivity in the past when companies implemented it back in the 80s and 90s um and definitely the second wave of productivity that an efficiency that's going to be coming is from IoT but we're also seeing a lot of new scenarios whereby by ERP sort of morphing and sort of being able to connect your back end ERP system to some of these frontier type innovation projects around mobility around cloud around IoT and being able to have a sort of a digital seamless Uh, transfer of information directly from the edge of the enterprise, from sensors embedded into IoT products or IoT-enabled products directly back into the back end. And I think that promises a completely new wave of productivity and efficiencies for enterprises.
2: Thank you, Amr. Great comment there. Uh, Bob, before we move on to some of Amr's notes, I want to just bring up something I see here in the notes you sent me. You say we label the recent economic cycles as the treadmill economy. I don't think you mentioned that yet, Bob. You want to explain that for us, please?
4: Sure. Uh, I'm not an economist, but I'll play one on the radio, so to speak. Um, <laughs> we, uh,
2: Anything is so possible we, here on Game Changers. You're officially you a game changer, Bob Parker. You can be anybody you want today, but just for the next few minutes. Then, you know, the magic pumpkin is gone. Go ahead.
4: Okay. So let me venture into the dismal science. Um, we um, we don't do economic forecasts at IDC, but of course we subscribe to the companies that do because their input for the market forecast will do. Um, and it's been our observation that we've been – I refer to it as the treadmill because at one point capital goods are up and then consumer economy is up or then um, – Uh, Commodities are up, oil and gas, mining. But there isn't two at the same time. One's always peaking, one's declining, one's on the rise. So we have this notion of this treadmill and it's just cycles, but there's no real overall growth. And companies have gotten really good at managing that cycle. In fact, I give a lot of credit to ERP systems that they put in, because it's given unprecedented visibility to to the situations. But so we've generated a lot of cash managing through the cycle. But companies have tended to declare dividends or stock buybacks to keep the the stock price propped up. But there hasn't been a source of growth. And this is where we see with digital transformation, um, that's where the quotes that I was talking about from the CEOs, they see this intuitively, that uh, growth from leveraging information-based products and services is going to get them off that treadmill, but at the same time, it's, uh, I've, uh, you've allowed me to talk about macroeconomics. Let me talk about microeconomics, mm-hmm. which is the okay. theory of the firm. That's really changing as well. You know, we, if you if you remember your microeconomics 101, it was land, labor, and capital, and how does the firm think about that? Well, going forward, those things are going to be much less important. It's going to be about connectivity people in relationships. Those are going to be the critical resources that I have to think about. And it's not a economy of scarcity. You know, how do I allocate scarce resource? It's going to be an economy of abundance because if it's information-based, when I use information, it becomes more valuable. Whereas if I use capital, I diminish it. I I draw it down. So uh, what we're seeing is really interesting transformations going on, people rethinking the, the very kind of uh, reason we incorporate organize uh, to begin with, so we really see this shift off of the treadmill economy finally, which has been going on since the Great Recession, um, to more of a robust uh, economy of abundance and a lot of growth. So we think this is a extremely exciting time, uh, thanks to the hyperconnectivity and the other trends we've been talking about.
2: It is, and you did very well wearing that temporary game-changing hat of being an economist, Bob. I say bravo to you. Very well done. Uh, Amr, any thoughts on what Bob just shared, or Christoph, who wants to join us? Thoughts?
5: um, Yeah, Bonnie, this is Amr. I think it's, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not an economist as well. I mean, we we work in IT here, so it's going to be difficult for me to, uh, to comment on that, but I, I just uh, I think since Bob mentioned GE earlier on in the call, I think GE again I want to go back, back to that example because uh, I think it 's a perfect example of a company that also understands this power of digital, the power of information, and I think uh, Jeff Emlet, uh their CEO, was also quoted as talking about how you know data analytics and how information uh, today is going to become as valuable to GE as material science was fifty years ago, right so I think this talks about and that this is a trend that we're seeing across industries again uh, Walmart is an exact perfect example of that. Um and this, uh, I, I think the, the trend here is that we're seeing a lot of these new, uh, companies come up. They're completely digital. They're completely in the cloud. All the, all the assets that they have is information. And their valuations in the stock market, I think, speak for themselves. Um so I completely agree with, with what Bob mentioned. And I think that's a very interesting remark how when you, you utilize capital, it diminishes. But when you leverage information, it increases in value. So that's, a um, uh, uh, yeah, great comment from Bob Yeah, absolutely
2: thank you Christoph. any thoughts on this before I move on
3: no I think uh, we're good uh, I'm excited uh, to know more about the conclusion and the predictions that we may see in our crystal ball in crystal ball I'm sorry for the, uh, for the, for the months to come
2: Thank you very much. Amr. I'm looking at your notes here. We're trying to cover a little bit from everybody's prep work, and thank you so much all. Amr, let's see what we haven't covered yet. We've defined hyperconnectivity. Enterprises are becoming aware of hyperconnectivity and the digital economy. Yes, we've talked about that. Uh, Let's talk about what's standing in the way. um, Yeah, let's talk about what's standing in the way of organizations leveraging this. And I believe Bob Parker mentioned that we have to simplify and keep it simple. And a big word that pops up in your notes, Amr, is complexity. Complexity is the main impediment, and I'm going to change that word to roadblock, of leveraging hyperconnectivity and digital transformation. You want to give us a little more meat on the bones here about how you see this complexity being removed or being distilled? Amr, what do you see?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I think... um for sure, and I think I, I touched on that topic a little bit earlier. But um, uh, we're, we're seeing obviously complexity uh, is playing a, a main uh, role in sort of impeding companies from leveraging uh, uh, the the power of hyperconnectivity and, and digital transformation, and uh, it's actually impacting uh, organization where it hurts them the most, which is their future revenue potential, their future growth opportunities, um, mm-hmm. and the the, the the severity of the problem is um, uh, is so strong uh, that in a survey uh, done by Harvard Business Review, uh, actually, you know, 50% of companies surveyed have an initiative in place uh, to solve and simplify complexity, yet in that same survey, 50% of the respondents also mentioned that they don't expect that complexity to be solved or simplified within the, uh, the the short term within the next a year or two. So this just speaks about how powerful complexity is, and again, it all stems from information systems. Um, but I also think that uh, you know, if companies are thinking about uh, uh, you know digital transformation, um, they need to start by thinking about um, uh, their their sort of the digital core. Right? What we're seeing today is a lot of companies have been successful in investing in. And some sort of siloed digital transformation projects, uh, that are typically ring fenced. They might have a mobile solution in a certain line of business or area, a cloud solution in a different one, um, but we're not really seeing this of digital transformation yet. And I think um, one of the reasons uh, behind that is obviously the complexity. But if companies can really simplify the, their digital core, invest in simplifying their back-end digital core, uh, they can really scale these digital transformations so that they do not become one-off initiatives and actually can become sort of a continuous and repeatable process within the organization. So this is, uh, again, an area that uh, we usually you know, try to work with companies around is, looking back at their digital core um, do they have siloed systems do they have separate transactional systems from separate analytic systems what type of batch processes happen in between and how long that takes until uh, an information is generated uh, from the time information is generated to the time information can actually be used productively uh, within an organization. If you can simplify that piece of the equation, I think uh, companies can really see different types of scale for the digital uh, initiatives.
2: Thank you, Amir. And before we move on, I want to get into two quick areas here. Let's see. Oh, my goodness, we're ready for predictions. Just give me a one sentence on how do you suggest companies digitize their supplier collaboration specifically? Any quick advice?
5: Um, uh, Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one area uh, we're seeing is that uh, enterprises now are looking to extend their business processes beyond just the walls of their own enterprise. So they're looking at connecting with things like business networks that exist beyond, again, their walls, connecting with their suppliers, connecting with their partners, being able to to to, to share in a sort of a broader, um, I would call it sort of an enterprise social network, if you will, right? So we have social networks within the consumer space. We all know them. We're seeing now networks evolved in the enterprise space whereby they can interact more freely in a more digital uh, manner. Uh, some of the early use cases we're seeing around payment, for example, but these are extending to more collaborative-type initiatives, and that really will allow companies to, um, you know, uh, extend the value of their uh, offerings to their customers, allow them to select or move between different suppliers to match uh, changing consumer behavior. So it's just going to make companies a lot more agile in terms of their supply chain when they start looking and embracing this, this notion of the business networks.
2: Thank you so much. Guess what? I can give you each 60, actually 45 seconds for predictions. So why don't we keep it to two sentences? Christoph Mühl calling from Germany at Accenture. Look ahead in the crystal ball, please, Christoph. What do you see in terms of hyper-connectivity, reinventing the world economy? Let's go to the year 2020 or anything in between now and then. So Christoph Mühl, predictions. Give me two sentences. Go. Yeah. Well, when I look
3: at it- and when I look into the uh, the the, the 14,500 in 50% of the companies that were in, into the uh, sorry the 14,500 that were into that ranking in 2000 have disappeared. So my prediction is that a much larger proportion of them would disappear by 2020. So meaning uh, this major, major, major digital transformation wave uh, will will be a kind of a bifurcation from companies between losers and winners. We need to be agile, we need to be faster, and uh, I think we'll we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see a lot of new companies popping up and and a lot of the traditional ones, you know, unfortunate uh, that will uh, go out of the world. So that's going to be an interesting time in the years to come.
2: Indeed, it will. Thank you. Bob Parker, oh, I can give you just 60 seconds or less. I know you're always ready. You, you uh, economist hat-wearing person. You, so go, go. Oh, new title for Bob Parker. He's going to hate me for this. Okay, predictions, Bob Parker, IDC, go ahead.
4: From our annual predictions available next month, two-thirds mm-hmm. of CEOs will have digital transformation at the center of their business
2: strategy. Wow, 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 wow. How many did you poll for that?
4: That's our prediction. So that's based on conversation. So that's not a survey result. That's a prediction. Okay.
2: Prediction. Prediction. I love that. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Looking forward to seeing if that comes to pass. Amr El-Maliji at SAP, talk to me. Predictions, I can give you 60 seconds. Go.
5: Yeah, I think, uh, uh, Bonnie, we're just scratching the surface here of digital transformation. Uh, what I predict is that by the year twenty twenty, companies will really be able to achieve what the the scale of digital transformation, so they can scale their initiatives. Uh, we're gonna see companies, much more companies move from being product-based companies selling products to selling outcome-based experiences to their customers, completely new, uh, business models, a completely new shift in their mentality and the way they, they approach their customers. Uh, so again, I think we're just uh, scratching the surface here. Um, expect to see, uh, digital transformation at scale in the year 2020.
2: Thank you very much. A shout-out to my three panelists, wonderful, great thinkers on your feet or whether you're sitting down. Great insights, and thank you for sharing so much of your expertise. Christoph Mule at Accenture, bravo. Bob Parker at IDC, same, and Amr El-Maliji at SAP. Wonderful speaking with the three of you. Shout-out to Brad Borkin at SAP who brought this wonderful panel together and set up this topic on Coffee Break. Thank you, Brad. Back from a trip to New York. We did not get to meet this time, Brad, just next time and we have to set up a lunch or dinner in Manhattan. And thank you to Justin, our engineer at the Business Channel at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie (laughs) D. Graham, and I'll be back in 2 p.m. today. I'll be back in two hours with a live new edition of Game Changing HR Leaders brought to you by SAP and ASUG, America's SAP Users Group. Here's my call to action. In the meantime, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. For now, bye-bye.